Today on the Lolly Eggers podcast, we talk about Godzilla and Jared Leto, two dire threats to humanity's survival. In the episode, Jeff also heads to Pony Island and learns why the Valerian movie flop, while Justin reads a book about Warcraft and revisits Jessica Jones. Both Lollygaggers then break down the gorgeous ladies of wrestling and end the night with a gentleman's challenge. Right, welcome to episode number 15 of the Lollygaggers podcast. Geek show about all sorts of different things, movies, games, comics, Justin's grooming habits. Uh, I am one of your hosts, Jeff. I'm the very hairy host, uh, Justin. It is true, actually. Justin is a very hairy man. I've... I haven't cut my hair since like spring. It's real really? bad. Yeah, it's, like you're, you got a ponytail? No, nah, it's not that big yet. Like it's hard okay. for me to get a ponytail. But I do have a mini mullet in the back and uh, long Shirley Temple curly cues in the front. So it's it's real embarrassing. And I went to a wedding today, so it's even uh, <laughs> did you less uh, respectable by those people. So whatever. Uh, I, did you, what, uh, how did you enjoy the the wedding? Huh? It's fine. <laughs> It was in Florida at three o'clock, so it got rained out. But uh, right, we ended up right. inside. But like, the reason why I grow my hair out every year and grow my beard out every year because the first day of school we had freshmen come in, just freshmen, mm-hmm. and I mm-hmm. like just scaring the crap out of them the first day. Like, oh my god, who is this guy? And then I come yeah. back the next day with a haircut and a nice shave. So I think it's a little funny myself. But so it's pretty funny. It's sometimes like the first day of class i thought about doing like an accent like a british accent or a german accent or something like ross from friends just start off and then like like a week later just not have it anymore just to see if anyone knows it's just to kind of mess. what happened what happened to your accent what accent what are, you, what are you talking about you know that type of thing it'd be great it'd be, it'd be wonderful yeah. yeah i don't know so hey i want to talk about uh a game that i picked up in the steam summer sale uh and it's a game that i've been trying to get other people in our little group uh, to play uh, to buy because it's a it's a mind screw i would use a more colorful word but uh, mind screw works uh but it's a game called pony island so i, I talked to you about this sounds like a quality a quality game. it's well i mean like when you hear the name of the actual game and then you actually play the game and you realize hey it's funny how that name doesn't really give you any clear indication of what's really going on in the game so uh, it was developed and published by Daniel Mullins. Uh, he's the sort of the designer. I think he's uh, mostly a one-man wrecking crew. I think he's maybe got one or two other people working. But anyway, the game is... I, I read an article probably on Rock, Paper, Shotgun, and somebody mentioned it when they were just kind of going through their lists of uh, of like, what what are the good deals on Steam? This one's only like two bucks. So I'm like, ah, I'm going to take a flyer on it. Sure. So I picked up Pony Island. I started playing it. And it's it's just strange. Like... I almost you have I have to be careful how much I talk about it because part of it part of me feels like you you need to go into it not knowing a whole lot about it, um, but it reminded me a lot of in in a weird way of the Stanley Parable. Have you ever played that? Yeah, it's a weird meta game where it's like meta exactly, and that's kind of what Pony. Very Island interesting is. game that's just strange. Yeah, so they don't play anything alike. So I don't I don't want to suggest that <laughs> like that, but like their intentions or kind of uh, the themes that they're sort of playing with the idea of like fourth wall breaking, meta breaking, kind of using like the assumptions that we make uh, about games and the gaming systems, like just like the menu, like the start menu or the options list or something like that. And actually using that as some sort of gaming mechanism, like you're actually interacting with in a way that's different than just going into your options and like changing your resolution. Like you're actually going into the options menu to do certain things in the game, like that are actually gameplay related. 
which is really interesting. So it's very meta-like. It's very bizarre. Um, it's so the the game basically begins or, or or presents itself as like a side-scrolling classic arcade game, like one of those forever scrollers that just kind of goes on and on and on. And you're playing a jumping pony. I also feel it's kind of weird that it's called a pony because it looks like a unicorn to me. And it's just like really basic generic graphics and you're just like running from left to right just jumping over things dodging things etc like really basic bare bone stuff but then it just gets weird like you start like someone starts trying to contact you like the menu start getting all weird uh all sorts of puzzles start coming up in ways that you didn't think there were supposed to be puzzles there um like there's like messenger windows that are like what the hell's a messenger window coming up here so it's a totally like it's this absolutely strange game it doesn't take very long to play it's super cheap uh and it's totally it's it's unlike other things that i've played so like you got to go into it knowing that it's going to be weird that there's like a theme that there's like an entity or something like that built into the game that's trying to communicate with you or like maybe you're communicating with other players it's it's so bizarre but it really kind of models itself or um i would say like mirrors or kind of plays with just the the basic gaming systems that you would have in a video game uh, but i would strongly recommend it it's i think it's relatively cheap normally but um like i think it's like under 15 normally but like during the summer sale which i think ends the day uh, on the fifth i believe so a couple days after this episode drops uh, but i definitely would recommend it two bucks i would recommend it to you just just grab it. it's like a buck 79 or something like that and it was so much fun like i didn't it doesn't take that long to play but it's just like a weird fun little hour or two or however long it took me to play it i can't remember uh, but pony island really really fun little game there's a lot of little games out there right now that are like that. They yeah. kind of like subvert your expectations. Like I know yeah. Undertale's kind of like that too. And there's a couple other ones that came out not too long ago. They're like, they're secret games within games. And they look like one mm-hmm. thing, but there's something completely different. So yeah, it's two bucks. I mean, Steam sale. Yeah. I definitely, what's what's yeah. another 30 games added to my library? You know what I mean? Right. That's the other thing. Man, one of these days, like we could just make a podcast about uh about going through our unplayed games in our our yeah. steam uh our steam libraries and just that's all will bastion ever games. get played i don't know oh you haven't played bastion what the hell's wrong I've with played you some of it i've never finished it that's one of the that's one of my favorite games of the past 10 years like it's so good oh it's such a good game and the music to that is amazing will i have will i ever be braid i don't know i now i now know what your challenge is this week excellent uh, oh, bastion just finish it there you go. Got to finish it. Tell me how it ends. All right. All right so, anyway, what did you play this week? Well, or do or whatever. First thing I did is I tried watching Jessica Jones. Um, oh, second week. season. Second season. I liked the first season because I liked David Tennant. I'm always I'm a Doctor Who fan, and sure. I liked the I liked the Doctor, and I thought that he's been really good at everything that he's done. He's got a pretty decent show on I think Amazon right now too. Like, I enjoyed Wall- David Tennant. Wallander is that his? Something like that. It's just weird him not saying timey-wimey, stuff like that. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Anyways, so I started watching it because I, I try to get through all of these. Um, the last one I watched was Punisher, and Punisher is just a factory of sadness. It's just so grim and right dark. Up your alley. Yeah. And, um, yeah, yeah, with my Cleveland uh, fanhood. So I started watching Jessica Jones. I could only get through two episodes before I stopped. I couldn't. It's just. That's pretty bizarre. I, we, I actually got through, my wife and I got through two episodes as well and had to kind of take a break on it. Yeah. It's think, just you know, everybody, three, everybody is miserable. Everybody is negative. There's no redeeming qualities of a single human being. <laughs> I, it's don't, just, I wouldn't say none. I, I wouldn't say none. Well, like, yeah. when, when the lawyer started yelling at Foggy, I'm like, what did Foggy do? Foggy's a nice guy. Don't be mean to yeah. Foggy. It's just yeah. like, 
like certain things are like super played out. Like I get it. She's a drunk. She's trying to you know cover up uh, past traumatic experiences. I get it. Like I get it. She's mean and she doesn't like anybody. But there's she doesn't like have a heart of gold. So why is anybody hanging out with her at all? To me, she has zero right. redeeming qualities to make anyone want to stick I around. Think zero. But yes, I do agree with you. That, I mean, like, the one guy said she's got a nice butt. Hard, that's about it. Well, that's not what I meant exactly. But, but I mean, she just, does ultimately help people and is somewhat, and, and, somewhat heroic. But like, it's a long way to get there. Yeah, know? it's just it's it's just a miserable show. Just everyone's just so mean and negative. I I just I was watching it with my wife and I got this second episode. I'm like, I can't, I can't do this anymore. And then I'm like, yeah. you know what? Let me watch the first episode of Luke Cage. Completely different. Luke Cage yeah. is just so it's so fun and cool. Yeah. Because first off, the guy's cool. And then, like, they really embrace a lot of uh, black culture and music and all that stuff. And I love it. And then on top of that, like, he, in the season, he's trying, he's starting to embrace who he is. And so he's got more of a swagger. And he's, and he's, he's just a much more fun show. And I like him as a character. But Jessica Jones is just miserable. I just, <laughs> I couldn't take yeah. it anymore. I have, yeah, no, I had I had a similar problem um, with Jessica Jones' second season. Like, I watched the first season. Uh, I I loved it right off the bat. Then it kind of slowed down on me a bit, and then I liked it again at the end. Um, second season came around, and I watched the first couple episodes. I was a little, you know, I, it's not my favorite. I, I, I like, I, th- I guess, of all the Marvel Netflix shows, I like Daredevil the best, probably. Because um, I think he's the most well-rounded character. I think he's he's the one that makes the most sense as like a, a character. Like he's, yeah. he does bad stuff, but he also does a lot of really good stuff. Like it's just like, she's a hundred percent me. And I just, I, right. it's just, I agree with what you're saying. Like, it's like a very, it's like a very sad show or it's a very kind of depressing show. And like, I do feel like the constant, uh, like like her like her flaw of like she's just constantly like supremely drunk all the time and just drinking over time like i do feel like there's a certain point where i just i almost feel like they're just throwing like they're just sort of forcing it at me like over and over and over again i just kind of want to be like can we see some character change some some movement and like a whole season went by and like i think one of the things that sort of put me off is like this idea of, like oh she she murdered murdered him like what was his name again uh grave cosgrave cosgrave what the hell what the hell was the uh, what was David Kilgrave. character's name again Kilgrave. Kilgrave, thank you how did I forget that? Uh, but like, like this whole like racking of guilt over like killing him, like she's a murderer, and like, um, like that that scene in the the diner where like she, like that one woman is like asking her to kill somebody for her, and like giving her this tone about well like you've killed before, and I'm just like this is like such a, I don't know man, this conversation feels kind of strange to me, but yeah, I, I don't know, I'm gonna get back to it I think at some point, but whenever I'm no Luke Cage, I might, but like Luke Cage is just so much better. And I really like that actor right now. He, I think he does a great job, and cool. at least in this current season, um, and it's just fun. Sometimes you just want to hear a big guy say "Sweet Christmas," you know, and it just makes me laugh and <laughs> sad. So, sure, sure. Anyways, that was my first thing. How about you? You got anything else going on? Okay, so uh, I recently, speaking of uh, sort of sort of sad. Uh, flawed characters uh i recently watched a show on netflix i just i went ahead and just completely binged this it's called uh marcella it's uh it's up on netflix it is a british like detect one of those detective shows it's kind of like a luther sort of in a way i would say 
Um, it stars Anna Friel. Is he as um, uh, dreamy as Idris Elba? Otherwise, it is not like a Luther. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. To well, she was she was Chuck from Pushing Daisies. So to me, she's actually a little bit higher, uh, the, like a little bit, very barely higher. Than, have uh, you seen his eyes? I have. I have but like, I was a huge Pushing Daisy fan. And uh, I think the whole world should always be like the way the Pushing Daisies depicted it. So like, in my opinion. Uh, but yeah, Anna Friel's in it. She's the lead character. She's the lead character. So she's Marcella. Um, she's a detective who has been off the force for like, I want to say 12 years, something like that, or 10 years, whatever. Um, and because she just she got off the force, she started a family, her and her husband, they had three kids. Um, but she's at the start of the show, the very beginning of the first episode, she's consulted, I would say, uh, because she used to be on the murder squad. So she would actually investigate murders. And there was a serial killer that she was one of the lead detectives on. And it appears as if that serial killer has resurfaced and has started to kill people using the same kind of MO. So either it's a, it's a copycat or it's the same person over and over again. Um, so she gets back on the force. Part of the reason she gets back on the force is because she's been going through like domestic problems where her and her husband are having some very serious issues to the point where like they're divorcing, they're separating. Um, and one of their, one of their, their children died. So like, there's like a lot of like terrible stuff going on in her life. And so as a way to, I don't know, take ownership of some aspect of her life. She gets back in the force. And so it, the, the show, that's all like first episode stuff, first like 20, 30 minutes of the first episode. Um, so the, the first season is essentially covering this one major serial killer um, with all of these similar, uh, similar killings, uh, which includes her kind of hounding their primary suspect from back in the day. Uh, but also the question of whether or not it actually is him and maybe not somebody else. Um, there's also like a domestic story of like her husband moving on and actually finding somebody else. Um, and then he, in fact, is actually getting caught up in his own little uh, strange kind of corporate drama that goes on that kind of weaves in and out of some of the detective stuff. Um, Jamie Bamber is also in it. Uh, he's, he's Apollo from the sci-fi Battlestar Galactica remake. Uh, so he's in it. He's, he's kind of a recurring, yeah. I mean, he's in most episodes, um, and he's a fellow, uh, fellow cop just doesn't work on the same squad. Um, so first season I thought was amazing. Like I, I got through the first season. I thought it was fantastic. It was like one big continual storyline. Um, I tend to prefer, like, if I'm going to watch a cop show, that's the type of cop show I'm going to watch. Like I'm, I'm actually done with watching cop shows, doctor shows, or lawyer shows. If they're the rinse and repeat one episode, you know, one crime per week type of thing. And like, we finish up that crime at the end of that episode and we move on. And the next week you get a new one. I'm done with those, but I definitely like these, these like Marcella and like Luther, uh, which are like focusing on the carryover from one episode to the next and actually showing them working on a case for a very long period of time and all the complexities and the red herrings and the actual mystery that comes into it. I watched the second season as well. So there, and that just, and the second season just dropped recently. I mean, like within the past month or so, it's all up on Netflix. Uh, and that one I loved until the very, very end of it. And I absolutely hated the way <laughs> the, the second season ended because it ended in kind of a bizarre fashion. The second season uh, involves more of kind of an issue. Uh, again, she's personally involved in, in some way with this particular case, which uh, is, is mainly her, her son, is like the, the first thing that happens, like the son knew a kid who disappeared and that, that, that kid's body shows up. And so that's how she kind of gets personally involved. Um, but that one's a, it's like a super downer type of uh, season where they're like talking about like a lot of child murders and things like that. But at the same time, it's, it's really good. 
so I really liked it. I had it on my uh, my Netflix to watch list for like the longest time, pretty much because Anna Friel's in it. And that was like the only reason I'm like, hey, she's been pushing daisies. So I'm going to put it on my list. And then I finally just said, you know what? I'm just going to watch this. I've heard really good things here and there. Uh, it's kind of one of those, for me, for me at least, it was an under the radar type show. Uh, but I would recommend it if you like those kind of darker detective type shows. If you like Luther, I think this is in the same, this is in the sort of the same alley. Uh, this kind of does the same type of thing with it. Uh, so really flawed central character. The other thing I should say is that her character has like fugue, fugue uh, states of fugue, like where she, um, she just kind of does things and forgets. And that becomes a major central theme. And she's trying to keep those those blackouts from her boss so that her, she doesn't get fired. But they also are starting to complicate not just like her investigation, but her personal life and like a lot of the backstory that's going on with what's what's been happening in her life and her marriage and whatnot. So it's a really good layered show with a lot of different storylines, a lot of flawed characters, but at the same time, like good people too. So really interesting show, Marcella up on Netflix, uh, two seasons, each season's eight episodes. I, I would definitely recommend it if you're inter- interested in that type of show. All right, man. Sounds pretty yeah, good. Man. Yeah, I, yeah. I keep on trying to find a new TV show to watch, but like, I also have like seventeen. I still need to finish. So, I got hooked on it. You know, like there are times when you just get kind of hooked on something, and I just if I finish it off. Yeah, it's yeah, good. Gotcha. Well, my next thing is um, I uh, read a book, um, and not a comic book this time. Like with and words and pages. By reading the book, I mean I listened to the audible Audio. of it. Uh-huh. Um, sure. I don't know how to describe when I'm listening to it. Like, I don't want to say, I listen to a book. It's weird. I still just say I read it. Is that wrong? I, I consumed an audio book. There you go. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I sat there and listened. Um, right. But it was the newest Warcraft, addition right. to the World of Warcraft stories yeah. uh, before the storm because a new expansion is coming out here in August. Um, is that the one that's going to have the moose people? Uh, I already am a moose person. So, uh, what did you end up going with through your name, by the way? Uh, I'll talk about that later. So I still think Moose Isley is the best. Moose Isley is pretty good, though. I came up with that one. Okay, anyway, continue. But, um, so, essentially, in the game, this game's going on for 13 years, and I like a lot of the lore. The lore is convoluted and crazy, but I got really into it for a couple of years now. I still am not done consuming it, because there's so much to it. Because it's, let's see, the the, the the entire lore, like the first game came out like 1992 or something like that. Something a long time ago, so. Oh, it's like, like the, the RTS? Yeah, that was a while The ago. first RTS is like 1992 or something. So I, like. Yeah, yeah, very long time. It's almost 30 years of, uh, of WoW lore. But, uh, so essentially what happened in this most recent expansion was, you killed the devil, pretty much. Yeah, you killed the big bad guy, Sergeus, he's dead. Um, but, um, after he, before he dies, he stabs a giant sword in the middle of the planet, uh, making the planet, uh, vulnerable and ooze a special type of mineral called Azerite because it's from Azeroth. So this, uh, mineral has special qualities. It can either create great life and love or also create, uh, tremendous weapons. And so it, Here's my problem with the book. They just worked together, the Horde and the Alliance, together, and proved that with the power of unity, they can defeat the undefeatable and stop, uh, essentially, the devil and save the universe together, right? They just they just did that, yes. right? Yes, correct. And immediately after they've done that, the first thing the Horde uh, War Chief thinks is, how are we going to kill the Alliance? Like... I don't, what? 
It just doesn't make any sense. Like, you just proved through unity and working together in peace, you can accomplish anything. And now that that is done, you immediately sure. want to try and kill each other. It's but the, Justin, it's not called World of Peacecraft. Sure, it's but World of Warcraft. At some point, someone's got to be nice. I just don't. It just makes no sense. But the story overall was interesting. The king of of the alliance, um, Varian Rin, died in the opening cinematic of Legion, and his son, the boy king, is now that, yeah. is now the king king, mm-hmm. and he uh, is having to deal with his father's death and also trying to find a way to unite the people. And his immediate thought right away is, how can we unite the horde and the alliance? On the other side, of the horde, Sylvanas, uh, immediately when she finds out that Zazarite says, how do I blow up the alliance? Because she's an insufferable angry person that can't not be angry. And just doesn't make any sense. So they, they try and create an armistice to try and like unite the Forsaken and the humans. Because the Forsaken and the humans are like mortal enemies. Because the Forsaken were the humans. And the humans think that they're an abomination of God. And the Forsaken were, uh, were like whisked away from the Alliance because they were such an abomination. So the Horde picked them up, and now they're buddies. So Anduin's like, wouldn't it be nice if we could reunite with our fallen loved ones, right? So he tries creating an armistice and putting them together, and who would have thunk it? Things don't go right, you know? Sure, and uh, it starts like the seeds of animosity, and it's kind of silly. Like, the certain things that they do are, are kind of dumb, because one of the people that they find is... Arthas's sister, right? The guy who created the Scourge and the Forsaken. You know what I mean? And she wants to go on the armistice and see the the undead. And Anduin's like, sure, go ahead. Not thinking of the possible negative ramifications that could come from having the sister of the guy who created the Forsaken go to the Forsaken meeting. Anyways, long story short, some interesting stuff comes up. There's uh, teases for, like, mecha gnomes in the future. Gnomes with, like, giant mech bodysuits and stuff, which would right. be super cool. Um, there's teasings for, like, a light Forsaken. Because in this new expansion, there's a lot of these allied races, like, s- new types of versions of, of races. Like, I, I've already made a moose character, which is it's a torn with moose horns is all it is. Moose Isley? Moose Isley, yeah. And um, so they've teased a couple different moose things. Moose Death. Yeah, so the the first thing they teased was Mecha Gnomes. The next thing they teased was a Light Forsaken, which would be interesting. It'd basically be an undead uh, that instead of being powered by the shadow is powered by the light, which is interesting. So either, other way, either way, the only other thing that bothered me about this book is they used the word hitherto five times, and I can't take it. Like, I don't sure. know if that's a word. Hither too. I mean, we don't really use it regularly. Anymore. Here, there too. Like hit. I, I don't know. Here to four. Ergo. Proper but like, out. it was the same word used like five times in this like three chapters, and I'm like, you're getting lazy. So, I don't know. So, before the storm, if you're into the WoW stuff, if you like the lore, you got to read it because it's kind of the bridge to the next uh, expansion. I enjoyed it. The audiobook was good. Um, it's just, there's flaws in, uh, the thought processes of this game that they're really trying to make last as long as possible. So that was the thing I did. You got anything else? So, uh, Valerian, 
uh, in the city of a thousand planets. Have, have you uh, have you heard this movie? I did, and I was really excited about this because I love sure. the Fifth Element. Oh yeah, Fifth Element. Uh, Luke so Benson. good, and um, yeah. I I just want that magic to be recreated. And I I, I from what I sure. hear, uh, it didn't happen. So let me know. So this is on uh, Amazon uh, Prime Movies. So I uh, I watched it because I thought, hey, it can't. It can't be as bad as I read How about. How bad could it be? Okay, so let me start with the good. It's it looks gorgeous. Like it's amazing. Like it's 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 a fantastic movie to look at as long as you have it on mute because okay. when people start talking, especially the two main characters, it starts to lose some of its charm. But like okay. everything else, like like it looks great. No, it looks amazing. Um, so it's it it definitely evokes uh, a fifth element sense like this kind of colorful futuristic world um, or i should say more galaxy or universe uh so the the basic premise is that it's the 28th century the opening credits is is essentially a montage uh, of space exploration like human space exploration starting with actual like footage from like in middle 20th century in which we actually start moving out into space to them fictionalizing the creation of like uh like these fairly big space stations and like the in- the encroachment of like alien alien life and like first contact and all of that sort of montage through because it's going to eventually describe the city of alpha which is um this massive uh piecemeal space station um that is eventually sent out of the orbit of earth like off into the distance uh in distant galaxies somewhere and that's kind of where all of these different um, different races come together. So like, uh, like thematically it's brilliant, you know, and like the idea behind it is brilliant. Like, and all of this is like the whole, the whole, the whole movie is based off a comic book series called Valerian and Loreline, which are the two main characters. For some reason, Loreline, they didn't want to put her name in the title, but, um, but Valerian and Loreline is the name of the comic book series. It's a French comic book series. I can't remember the names of the authors. Things like Pierre Christian and uh, Jean-Claude something I can't pronounce. Uh, so it's a, it's like a really good concept for a sh- for a movie, and I was really excited to watch it. But the the problems begin fairly early on in the movie when the two main characters, Valerian and Loreline, start talking, and that's when you quickly realize that these are the most unlikable people that you <laughs> characters you've ever listened to or watched or encountered in any sort of piece of entertainment. Like there are villains horrible people in other movies that would probably have been more charismatic and interesting than these two characters like they honestly were so awful that like i almost stopped watching the show i keep saying show i almost stopped watching the movie within the first like 20 to 30 minutes just because like i just couldn't stand when they started their banter it's just so bad like it's just so awful and i I just don't understand the casting like i i have i don't i don't get it like they were they're not charismatic their interaction between each other is very cold it's very forced uh, they kept like they, the, the movie kept trying to like depict them as like these like cool off the cuff people, right? And they're not like they just they just di- they couldn't handle it. Like the the it just didn't make sense. Like if you maybe if you took like Angelina Jolie and Brad Pitt, circa Mr. and Mrs. Smith, and had them as the leads, it might have worked out that way. But these two these two actors and these two the way they were drawn, it was just it was just absolutely terrible. Yeah, now, I, story, I can't stand the female lead. She played Enchantress and. Um... Uh, Cara Delavine. She's a she's a a a model turned actress, and there's not been a Mm. single thing I've seen her in that I was like, oh, that was good. I just think she she's very pretty, 
and she and she's a great model. But when it comes to like the acting stuff, I, I can't. I liked it. her better than the lead guy. Like I, I hated the Dane Dane DeHaan. Yeah, he's awful too. He was he, in that. He was he an was amazing twice Spider-Man as good as him, and I still thought she was bad. Like I still couldn't. I just couldn't stand either of them. Like the, together, they were just awful. Because he. First of all, he's like her superior, and he's constantly just like at, like hitting on her and asking her to like like marry him, and uh, talking about how he has this wall of conquest of all these women that he you know that he slept with, and like when you look at the actor, he's like, what are you twenty? Like, come on, dude! Like, and like seriously, like this is still a thing, twenty eighth century, and you're still acting like like in this sort of way. It's just. It was pretty terrible. Like, there's other people in it, like Clive Owens in it, which is great. I know we asked, like, what happened to Clive Owen, like, uh, several episodes ago. He also had a TV show called The Nick that eventually got canceled. Uh, so that's something that happened to Clive Owen. He was also in this movie. Rihanna is in it for, like, she has, like, a cool sequence where she's shape-shifting Ooh, and stuff. Rihanna. You didn't say yeah. that. She's great. It's like it was a cool sequence like it was a really cool sequence where she just was sort of shape-shifting into these different characters because of like the creature that she was ethan hawk uh was also in it and he was sort of fun rutger Hauer was in it so um so like everything about this movie was really enjoyable the except for the leads like the story is kind of interesting because it has to do with like this this planet mole where some sort of tragedy happened like 30 years earlier and now it's kind of coming home to roost like like the the, the problems that happened like a near genocide happened and and it's like brought back to alpha and it's threatening alpha this like massive space station that's essentially all these different cultures coming together in one place uh so i mean i watched it uh but it's it's hard it's like it's really hard to recommend just i mean like maybe maybe other people are more forgiving than me and i'm just being a jerk about it but like i just oh god like well, i was super, Rotten dis- Tomatoes, I was super disappointed not, so i was so disappointed because like you i, I fifth element was amazing it was amazing and and um luke besson the guy the guy who directed this also did lucy and i thought lucy was a really good movie too this was this was just uh, i mean major misstep like whoever was whoever was in charge of writing the dialogue between those two characters and whoever was in charge of casting uh i think that was a major bungle like like they just because the rest of it like the special effects folks the music folks all that kind of stuff you all crushed it but like it's a shame that like the entire movie kind of went went to crap because like the the two main main characters in it just just couldn't hold up so but valerian and the city of a thousand planets like if you have amazon prime you can watch it for free right now which is probably as much as it should ever be ever cost you to watch it (laughs) there you go anyway you got anything to finish this off so I have a little bit of a movie roundup. This is a specifically casting roundup. I don't know if you heard these castings, but I think they might be okay. interesting to you. Okay. First one, Jared Leto has uh, our favorite actor. We both love, love him so much. Amazing. Um, uh, I hate, I can't stand him as an actor. Uh, he <laughs> is. Uh, he landed a new Marvel role, a uh, Marvel Sony role, a la. Uh, Tom Hardy Venom, right? Uh, it's not like the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's those like Sony Spider-Man side things. Um, he's going to play Morbius, you know, your favorite character from the Spider-Man series, right? Okay. Morbius right. and Morbius the Living Vampire. Uh, so he's going to play. It's just why, why? It doesn't. Well. I think that's actually a good casting because I'm pretty sure Jared Leto is a vampire. No, yeah, I get that. that if you look sense. at what he looked like when he was on My So-Called Life, and you look at him now and that horrible Calvin Klein, whatever. Oh, it's Gucci, doing, I think it's so. Gucci, my bad. I'm sorry, Calvin. 
<laughs> they they look exactly the same. So I'm pretty sure he's been feeding off the blood of his co-stars, uh, and that's why he looks so good. So, so yeah. there's that casting. Next casting, uh, a couple weeks back, I talked about how they are making a live-action Sonic film. Do you remember this? We've, I mentioned this a while back. Yeah, I heard about this news. Go ahead. So yeah. Jim Carrey is going to be yeah. Dr. Robotnik, yeah. Yeah. which is exciting. Um, yeah, I, I guess, guess kind of, maybe? Mm-hmm. Uh, hey, uh, uh, I never liked Sonic as a game. I, I, I liked the original ones. I never liked it very One much. and two. I, I, I liked two because it, it had like multiplayer and... Sega was cool. Yeah, I never had uh, I never had a Sega, but my best friend growing up did, and I had like Nintendo and Super Nintendo. He had Sega, and so but we would basically play Golden Axe and Golden Axe Two all the time. That's what we play because it was co op and it was fun. So I I think it's fine, but I'm sure this movie is going to be garbage. Anyways, next one, (laughs) um, you actually might be interested in this. Tom Meissen, I think is how you say his name. He was the uh, he was uh, what, what what's the character's name from uh, uh the headless horseman show you watched the first season Sleep, was okay. sleepy hollow sleepy, sleepy hollow. hollow he played ichabob crane right yeah uh he has joined the watchman pilot i have i have seen this yeah no, so that they, they've made By a lot of way, castings i saw that article and i saw the picture of, of him and i'm like who the hell is that and then because <laughs> like because in Sleepy Hollow, he's got long hair and a ponytail and a, and a bushy beard because he's from revolutionary times and he's brought a back. A great big know, bushy beard. It's not a great big bushy beard. It's more like a, it's like a modestly bushy beard, right? And it's, it's you know, it's, it's a gentlemanly bushy beard. And uh, I'm like, I have no idea who this man is. And then I'm like, I'm like, oh, that's, oh, oh. So, oh, he cleans up in a complete, he looks like an alien now. He's totally different. <laughs> like, I don't know who that is. They've done anyway. a lot of casting. I guess Jeremy Irons is supposed to be in it too. Mm-hmm. Um, they they had two more castings today. I guess the right. um, the thought is Jeremy Irons might be playing Osmodeus, but Jeremy Irons is like uh, yeah fifty something. So I don't know how uh, that works. Age, age seems. I think he's older than that. Yeah, um, maybe like Osmodeus' dad or something. I don't know. But um, who knows? It might be good. I mean, I'm looking forward to it for two reasons. One, because I just like the Watchmen story, and two, because it's got Damon Lindelhoff, and even though he's got some flawed stories like prometheus like i thought was such a frustratingly incomplete movie and there's you know he messed up a few things he does lost, tv I, well i like lost and i still i still argue in favor of the lost ending i still feel like the lost like series finale was actually good but that's i'm, I'm i think i'm a, on a, a very lonely island myself with that argument but well you also think that the uh, Battlestar ending is terrible and i disagree with you sir i don't think the Battlestar ending is terrible i think the very 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 last five minutes of the Battlestar galactica ending is terrible you you if you end Battlestar galactica okay on that scene where the where the president passes away in the arms of adama and they're like kind of looking out over this massively beautiful new planet that they found i think that is the most poetic and amazing end i think i tried at that i can't but then they freaking flash forward like all thousands of years into the future of humanity and then hey who do we see we see it was you know it's guys baltar and it's uh it's uh trisha helfer's character uh i can't remember i can't remember what she's six six i can't remember so yeah i just didn't like that part that's just me though but anyways that's my movie roundup um lots of really good news especially that uh jared leto morbius thing it's gonna be great can't Um, wait i have no hopes for this venom movie so maybe if I keep my expectations 
Tom Hardy floor low, it'll be okay. So. But Tom Hardy is awesome. So yeah, I and the like... animation looks okay, but still, Sony hasn't made a good comic book movie ever. So I have zero, yeah. zero thoughts about them doing good. The the last good True. movie they did was Spider Man Two, in like two thousand five. Sony's got all of the uh, the Fantastic Four stuff, right? Yeah, but they yeah. they they, <laughs> they gave up those rights back to Marvel, so Marvel can now. Yeah, use but they, the they made they made both of the both of the recent iterations, yes. right? Okay. Yes, yeah. okay. especially the most recent one with um, uh, the guy from uh, dang it, it's got Michael B. Jordan and uh, take your time. Yeah, just think, think it out. You'll get it there. Uh, what's but anyway, <laughs> it's got J. Jonah Jameson in it. Horrible radio right now. Yeah. Uh, well, anyways. It's That's got, all I got. Uh, Kate Mara. Yes. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. the guy who played Mister Fantastic, he was in like a really good mm-hmm. movie with drums, and my brain mm-hmm. hurts, so I'm just gonna oh. stop. Okay. I'm good. Okay. Anyway, and on that note, uh, I think we can go ahead and uh, talk a little bit about uh, some glorious ladies of wrestling. It's the TV. Breakdown. Created by Liz Flahive and Carly Mesh, Glow is a Netflix comedy series about a syndicated women's professional wrestling circuit known as the Gorgeous Ladies of Wrestling, set in the 1980s. Now, although the Netflix series is fictional, it is inspired loosely by the real-life Glow circuit, which ran until 1990. Allison Brie stars as Ruth Wilder, an out-of-work actress who plays Zoya the Destroyer, a Soviet-inspired villain to Liberty Bell the American heroine on the wrestling show. Mark Marin plays Sam Sylvia, a B-horror movie director who, as his role would suggest, directs the circuit. Netflix's show tracks both in-the-ring and out-of-the-ring stories, often having the themes explored in these two halves echo one another. Most notably is the frayed friendship between Ruth and Liberty Bell's Debbie after Ruth sleeps with her friend's husband. All the while, Glow tracks the circuit as it struggles to make it to network and stay on the network. For this breakdown, we're going to talk about our overall impressions of the show through the first season and throughout the first, say, handful of episodes of the second season. Uh, we're probably going to spoil a few things here and there, but we're trying not to give away any of the major twists and turns. Uh, but if we do, we'll warn you. Anyway, Justin, what do you think of Glow? So, um, did we want to start off with the first season in this, or do we want to? Guess we're starting off. With first I would season. say just do like uh, just like general impressions, and then like. All right, like, so. Yeah, I mean, like, the fact that we're watching second season, I think, sort of tells you that we kind of like the first yeah. season. So, yeah. I like the first season a lot because it kind of just dealt with, like, the initial them getting together and figuring out what this whole thing is. And it was a lot of just Allison Breeze's character and her friend. I don't know who that actress is. I don't know her name. The one who plays Liberty Oh, the Bell. woman who plays Debbie? Uh, Betty yeah. Gilpin. Yeah. And they do. I think they did a really good job of exploring their uh, predicament, I guess you could put it that way. Right. Um, I mean, it's it's given off in the first episode of the of the show. So like, yeah, like like Debbie uh, Liberty slash Liberty Bell. That's her. That's her wrestler uh, alter ego. Uh, her husband, who is actually on Mad Men, and by the way, is a well known board game aficionado. Oh, is that uh, right? <laughs> it's very true. Actually, he has his own. He has his own. Uh, I think he has cardboard. Is the name of his podcast. He's a he's a board game podcast. Uh, anyway, uh, she like her husband cheated on on Debbie with Ruth, who is Debbie's best friend. And they're both in the show and they both kind of awkwardly come together as the sort of the, the main protagonist antagonist throughout sort of the first season of the wrestling, uh, the wrestling circuit. Right. So, uh, but so it's kind of awkward for them. Like they don't want to, like they don't want to speak to one another. Like 
obviously Ruth feels really guilty about everything. And then Debbie is like, just hates both her best friend and her husband for what happened. And then like they have that off the show, like off the circuit type of thing going on. And then they have to, to actually work with each other every day, which is pretty, pretty messed up. So, yeah. I think that what the show really excels in is in these 30 minute episodes, they do a really good job of exploring specific characters. Like agreed. Yeah. More specifically, like I just got done watching the fourth episode earlier this evening for the second. You're season. up to, you're up to four on, on yeah. season two. Yeah, we're, I'm up to I'm up through six. I've watched right. six. I thought the episode about uh, the mother who plays um, well, uh, Miss Welfare Wel- or Welfare Queen. Welfare Queen. Yeah, I uh, thought that's Kia the Stevens, best episode. Yeah, I think that's the best episode so far because it does a really great job. It's great, yeah. Of just exploring these characters so well, and I thought that her character in particular is just so awesome and. I was really worried that the son's reaction was not going to be what it ended up being, you know? But I think it was within that worry that made me, like, really enjoy the outcome of it. Because, you know, I you kind of, like, see these characters and, you know, they're, like, putting themselves out there in what is, like, something that's not considered normal, you know? And they're sure. really trying their best and they're enjoying themselves and I, and I liked that whole that one particular episode between right. almost the mirrored lives between her character and Debbie's character were were really well done like how Right so the episode Justin's talking about specifically the the character he's speaking about uh her her wrestling her, her, her wrestling alter ego is is uh, the welfare queen right uh and so um and she in the and you know in the first season was like one of the you know one of the main wrestlers one of the the people that was vying for the champion championship and in the second season um she's like she's doing this like major major bout with uh liberty bell who is who is like the lead um kind of the, i guess you could say the lead of the show she's sort of like this all-american heroine red white and blue southern bell type of thing and so you have like the white southern bell you know, beautiful princess type woman. And then you have uh, the welfare queen um, who she's a, a large black woman. And so they're dealing with a lot of like the kind of racial, like kind of the racial stereotypes. Cause that's what her son ultimately was kind of concerned about because he yeah, is a, he said he, he, he thought he was, he's a was student at Stanford, a, a minstrel yeah. character is the way he put it. Right. Exactly. He's, he's like so, fighting yeah. a bunch of stereotypes, just being a student at Stanford. And I thought the best joke was like, Oh, they called oh, me God. this name yeah. because I'm this other black guy at the school when the guy looks nothing like him. It's just yeah, like it's it it's just a hilarious. funny little thing. It was hilarious. Yes, uh, and they look yeah because there are two black guys in this one uh, white woman's class, and she gets their names confused. Ah, uh, so so funny and sad, but funny. But yeah, but you're right. That was a great. Uh, that was a great episode, and because like like that's what I what I what I like about the show um, is how they find realistic but not ham-fisted ways of taking the themes that they're exploring like in the the character stories like the actual people uh and they find ways to have that kind of play off what's going on within the sort of the ring like the wrestling fiction right they're taking the wrestling fiction and those themes and they're balancing off one another and i think that's really i, I always find that really interesting like i always like how those two halves are kind of intertwined and i think that you're right that, that's actually my favorite episode so far of this of this season of, of what i thought was season. best about it was like the juxtaposition of the reality of what was happening right like she they play these characters she's the all-american girl 
and welfare queen is supposed to be this this mooch on uh i guess america because she's yeah. well she's the welfare queen yeah, right? yeah. she's but she's then like the in reality yeah. she's a fantastic mother who's she's a great mom. who's raised yeah. a wonderful child and then the other one's having a mental breakdown you know so, not only that so. but she's like she talks about her jobs and like she has she has done whatever she could to work any job that she's had to work and so like she worked at family feud for a while she she it's like in the conversations that she has with liberty bell she goes over like the various jobs that she's had right and a lot of them are not you know they're not the most idealistic or, or you know ideal jobs to to take and but she takes them because she's got a kid and she's raising your son and so she's doing whatever she can to take responsibility so it's like complete opposite of what like her character stereotype would be so like i really like that kind of that play on it and you're I right really about got, the, I, Debbie I, losing her mind. Yeah. Not to mention, I thought that the wrestling in that episode, because I am a wrestling fan, okay? I grew up on, on like, like when I was little, little, I had a Hulkamania, like, uh, wrestling buddy. You know what I'm talking about? They're, like, little buddies that were, like, made of stuff. They were stuffed yes, animals. Yes. So I had that, and, like, I grew up watching The Rock and Stone Cold when I was, like, in my teens, you know, prime age for that type of stuff. Goldberg was a huge thing for me. NWO and all that stuff. I love wrestling. And that the wrestling in the show at sometimes can look a little rough, but like that actual match. Matches, especially early on. Yeah. yeah. But that match between Liberty Bell and Welfare Queen was great. Like right. I like that they actually explored a match. And that was really cool. And that's what really hooked me. Like it was a great mixture of good drama and comedy. And then mixing it with the action of the show which is what they do in the ring and like liberty bell's finisher is like a legit finisher for like a, a wrestling person so i'm just like that's pretty good mm -hmm. so i believe wrestling persons are known as wrestlers uh no 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 that's no, not uh it's gotta be something else. but like uh, yeah. it happens in a lot of episodes where they'll do like these these great character explorations like what they did with um the samoan girl and like how she, her brothers are wrestlers and they explored mm -hmm. her, her father not approving of it and all that stuff. And it, it's just really, really interesting how they do all this stuff. Yep. So, I mean, beyond that, that one episode, I do think the second season is kind of continuing on and doing a lot of the, a lot of the good things that the first season did. So like, I mean, spoiling a little of the, of the first season, like the, the main premise of the first season was like whether or not the actual show, the circuit glow was actually going to make it to network and actually air. And that was one of the main concerns throughout the first, you know, several episodes. And then at the end of the season, you, they get, you know, they do this, this pretty big bout, like the title bout, they get picked up by a kind of a local network. And then second season, they, they have, they have their gig. Right. And so the first episode, they're building the set, they're getting ready for their, you know, their first event. And then they're kind of dealing with the idea of how do they, you know, gain ratings and, 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 actually dealing with the very you know potential of people being replaced not everyone on the show stays like some people get fired some people leave get new jobs um, so there's there's carryover right and then more personally like by the end of the first season there was like a, a kind of a, a thawing of uh, the fringe like of the, the coldness between like the two the, the two main wrestler women um uh, ruth ruth's character you know the, the Soviets inspired Zoya the Destroyer and, and Liberty Bell. Like their friendship had, like they've, they've kind of repaired some of the tension between them, but they're not friends yet. Like they're not there yet. That's kind of one of the last things that's, that's said in the first season. Now, second season's interesting because 
uh, like in terms of like the character development, like what's actually happening with these characters, like it, it's interesting because Ruth's, Ruth's character is like this, this is constantly getting kind of crapped on in a way because she's like, she feels terribly guilty for what she did. And she's almost, it almost seems like she's willing to just have all sorts of horrible things happen to her because she deserves it, right? Because yeah, she, did she feels it, like right? she you deserves I mean? that type of stuff. Right. And so like, I, she's such a sympathetic character in that regard. Like she's like, I, like, she did a horrible thing. She did a really bad thing. She betrayed her best friend like that. But at the same time, like you could really kind of root for her uh, in a certain regard. Plus she's kind of the go-getter when it comes to the show. She's the one who's kind of the glue. She's like the, the proverbial, if, you, if you're thinking of like sports terms, she's the glue guy. You know, she's like the person who you know, makes all of it tick, makes sure everyone's happy, makes sure everything's organized. And then the second season, that kind of bites her in the, in the ass a little bit, uh, where she kind of gets tried a little bit towards the first the, the first half of the season here. Um, so what are some other things you liked from the second season? Well, what I also really like, which I don't think was mentioned enough yet, is Mark Marin does a fantastic job. Um, yeah. I think his... I know you're a big Mark Marin fan. I, I'm not a huge Mark Marin fan, but like... With this character, I think he'd agree. I talked earlier about Jessica Jones about being such a miserable, awful human being, right? And not having any type of, like, gooey right. center at all. Like, this guy that he plays, he is what I'm looking for with Jessica Jones, you know? Like, he's awful, right? He's, yeah. he's not a good guy. He's he, abusive. He's mean. Uh, yeah, he's but, terrible. like, you can tell he just physically knows no other way. Right, and he's trying. Right. Like the whole subplot with uh, his daughter or whatever is interesting and hooks me because he's like, he's he's awful about what he's doing, and he's almost uh, inept as a human being uh, for other human beings. Uh, but you can kind of see he's kind of trying, and I think right. it's like, I, interesting. I, I, I guess underneath it all sure he there's there is some semblance of like an ability to him but i don't know at the same time like i, I look at it from this perspective i kind of go back and forth in his character because on the one hand i agree with you like okay yeah like he's a mean jerk he's a jackass he's he's very abusive towards everybody he's he puts everybody down it honestly creates a workspace that on a, if any of us had actually worked in that environment we'd hate it um, it's very funny, though, obviously, because it's a you know the the situation that happens from it. But on the other hand, I feel like there's like a more interesting conversation to be had. Like, should we? Like, it doesn't really redeem him, though. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think it does. I don't think like his like the the two or three or four moments of like nice things that he do does throughout the course of the the show doesn't. I think like I, I think we should we should be careful not to suddenly forgive him or well, like, I, oh I, it's okay that he's abusing everybody and firing people for no particular reason other than he's an insecure jackass. But at least he stuck up for this person and this episode. I, I don't know, man. I feel like well, that's, I think the difference kind of an is awkward like... awkward situation. I can see his character changing over time. Like, I think it, I feel like it's gonna, you know? And I might be wrong. Maybe I'm wrong about that character. But, like, when I watch Jessica Jones or whatever, and I see she's been miserable for a season and a half, and I don't want to wait another ten episodes to see if she smiles, you know? I just, I feel it's a little bit different, you know? There was no light at the end sure. of that tunnel. There's, there's a chance for hope of this guy being better than what he is. And I think that's interesting to me for her. I just don't see it 
Maybe that's what they're trying to do, but I just didn't get that from when I, right. when I, I mean, watched well, there, it. Like, there are moments. No, I, I don't disagree that there are definitely moments where like he like he's coherent and he tries to do the right thing. But like, I don't think the handful of moments when he does those is necessarily like a, like I, I feel like we have to be careful of like just in general saying it's okay that this person is horrible in these certain situations because they did these like, handful of nice things. Like, I don't, I don't necessarily know. Like, I still think overall, he's a bad guy. I actually do overall think he's not, he's not the worst guy, you know, but he's, he's definitely a bad guy. Like there, like you'll see when you get into a couple episodes to come, like he does some good things and some, some even worse people do some even worse things. And he, you know, by comparison, he starts to actually look somewhat redeemable, but you know, to some degree it's like, yeah, it's just, but there's degrees, you know? Um, so the other thing I, 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 I think is interesting about, are you, did you get up to the episode where they start having to deal with um, like, they're, they're, like the fan mail and stuff that they're getting? Like they're actually- No, I, I haven't gotten there yet. The last one I saw was a Web for a Queen episode. Yeah. And I really, yeah. really liked it. Like I, I want to finish it, but just, I had a wedding to go today. I wasn't able to get any more episodes in. So. Sure. Well, there's a really good episode where they start dealing with fan mail and like the fan mail that they're getting. And on the one hand, it's really funny and interesting and actually a delight. But one of the things that I always find interesting about this show, right? And I think this is intentional because I read this in an interview that one of the two creators, I, I think, mentioned was that like one of the things that they were constantly kind of exploring in the show is whether or not like the idea of glow. And I'm, I'm taking somebody else's words here, but I don't know exactly who uh, is either. Is it exploiting? these people like is it exploiting the women that are part of the league or is it kind of empowering them like which which thing is it doing or is it perhaps doing both and i and i find that really interesting and i think one of the ways in the second season that that really comes to play this notion of like exploitation versus like empowerment is is when you get this episode where they're getting like this this fan mail and some of the fan mail is awful like you can imagine like one of one of the characters gets like a, a polaroid of a dude's junk in the mail right and like another one's is is essentially being sort of semi stocked you know but at the same time there's like a, there's like a joy to it like they're they're kind of like happy to have fans like so there's the argument like hey we have fans or um versus oh these guys are creepy and they're doing awful things you know like these these are our fans oh my god this is gross so that's really interesting and then there's other storylines that are going to come into play probably in the next episode that you watch actually um i think it's in the fifth episode where I think the Me Too movement um, like starts to get like it's it's interesting viewing that episode. What happens um, to one of the characters? I don't want to spoil it for you. Um, in light of what we've been seeing happening within primarily Hollywood, but in in politics as well over the course of the past you know year and a half or so with the Me Too movement, like it's it's kind of really interesting and and where where one character has basically put into a situation, an actress is put into a situation where like she is essentially being propositioned by you know a higher up and like how the show handles it and how the various characters that this this character goes to uh react to it and like and it's really interesting because this is the remember the show is set in the 80s right it's not set now but we're still viewing it through the lens of that and so i like that i like about this show like it's a really funny show and it's absolutely ridiculous when you think about the premise of like oh the glorious ladies of wrestling it's a children's show right but at the same time, like it's totally not, and they're dealing with some pretty intense themes. So it's a funny show that keeps it light, but also really explores some, I think, pretty interesting themes. And that's, I feel like when you get a show that can do both of those things, comedy, but deal with cool social themes at the same time, like I think that's great because it actually, the comedy, I think, makes a lot of those social issues a little bit more palatable for people to deal with, which is probably like a good thing, right? Because it means people are watching it and are actually dealing with those types of stuff. Yeah, they did it with the Welfare Queen episode where like you know her son 
thought she's being like a minstrel character. So she kind of right. is, but like, is it that she is being exploited or is she taking the power back by doing that, you know? Right. Or right. like, um, what's the other one? The, the, the like over sexualized one. Is she, is she being proud or is she being which like, one can you be more specific the one that's <laughs> like, like supposed to be like in, like super the smartest like, the smartest woman uh, no not planet. the smartest woman the uh the uh one that like goes to the mall and all that stuff right the one right. that had the poop baby for a little remember. bit i can't remember her name yeah yeah but like i can't remember that character it's stuff it's stuff like that where it's it's interesting where they're like, you know if you really look back at 80s wrestling like it's it was like that it was like you it's horrific, or the one, or the one who's she's Indian, the but they're they're making, they're making her, her think, play the the terrorist. Yeah, yeah like it's it's Unabom, really Unabom, awful. Yeah. But like, you know, that stuff happened. They they did that, and it got ratings as as yeah. primal and basic as it was of this person's difference. So I hate them type of thing, and it's very interesting how they kind of use that stuff. But like, yeah, I. I when you talk about those multiple layers of the show, it, it, it improves it. But the base of it, I still very much enjoy the character development and the, the and I won't lie, the wrestling's pretty good. That last episode of the first season was great. It's just, it's just amazing when they actually have right. the show. So. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, overall, we both really love the show. I mean, so we, we both, before we even started doing the podcast, we, we both like sped through those, the first season when it first came out last year. So it uh, was no surprise that we're probably doing the same thing. It came out yesterday on Netflix, second season. So if you haven't watched it yet, you should. There's about 10 episodes per season. They're all about 30 to 35 minutes long, kind of in that realm. So they go by pretty fast, but, they're, but they, there's, a, there's quite a bit of story that happens in them. Um, it's really good. You get a lot of the whole 1980s kind of vibe to it with the clothes and the music and all that kind of throwback stuff that's so popular these days. Uh, but from for me, great recommendation. I think it's a fantastic show on so many different fronts. Uh, Justin, you as well, I assume. Yeah, I mean, I, I, it's great. I I enjoy the characters a lot. I enjoy the nostalgia, um, the uh, uh, the the setting and all that stuff. I think it's all really really great. So I, I highly suggest one hundred percent. Like, there's. I feel like we're eventually going to get to the point where there's eighty nostalgia uh, burnout. But I'm not there. I don't, yet, I don't so. agree with you at all. I don't agree with you. I think the eighties are a lot a lot of people are doing it, so I think it's gonna get there eventually, but I'm not there yet. And until it gets there like what was it? Uh five years ago it was all zombies. Now it's all eighties stuff. So we'll, we'll get to the point where I'll get tired of it too, but I enjoy it right now, so I want more garbage bill kid stuff and I'll be happy. Oh so. god. Melba toast. Let's do it. All right, so that's it for the breakdown for this week. Uh, I think I'm going to go ahead and talk for a few minutes about some uh, some role play. Now it's time for a little role play. Wait, nope, nope. That's the wrong role play. All right, Justin, so big news this week in my role-playing game group. Oh, yeah? Uh, we, exciting. Oh, yeah. We started our new campaign. Uh, so as you know, because I've been talking about it every other week for the past oh, two months or so, we've uh, we just finished up a seven-month-long Starfinder campaign, uh, and we are now moving back to the fantasy realm, and we are doing Dungeons and Dragons Fifth Edition. This is going to be our second D and D Fifth Edition campaign. Um, I'm I'm really curious about doing Pathfinder 2.0 when it comes out, but it's not out yet, so we might we might 
dabble with it next year uh, once the rules are kind of out and then can sit around for a while. But for now, we're going back to D&D 5th edition because it's sort of the first major campaign that this particular group has done together. Plus, we wanted to use D&D Beyond, which is an online uh, system for kind of managing characters and managing your campaign. And so far, it's been, we're loving it. And a big, uh, a big update came out yesterday, actually, to the character sheets that are actually making it even easier to see. So we started our new campaign uh, Thursday, so two days ago, uh, was our first session. Um, we took a break in between the two campaigns to do like a little one shot to kind of refresh the batteries and whatnot. Um, so interesting thing about starting a campaign because it's a, a we do we do not do pre pre done adventures. I don't do it anyway. Um, like the campaigns that I run, I'm doing my own setting. So it's a setting I can kind of I've come up with and that the players contribute to with their character development and their character backstories and stuff. And I kind of give them a basic world, basic locations and leave the map open and let them kind of create as we go. And so it's sort of open-ended and somewhat sandboxy. And then eventually, like once we start seeing how the characters are playing and what they're doing in the places they've gone, we start to develop a kind of a, a longer, more overarching and interesting storyline. The first several, uh, several sessions, several levels, at least first five levels are more sandboxy with the exception for me of, for this campaign of the opening first one to three sessions, because one of the hard things that I found when we start a campaign is how do you get the characters to all kind of work together? And so when we did our first major D&D 5th edition uh, campaign a couple of years ago, uh, it was the first time I'd ever really DM'd a, a campaign. Like I've done some one shots way back in the past when I was in college, but for the most part, like I've never really done a major campaign up until that point. And in that campaign, like we had like eight players at the start. It was crazy because so many people wanted to play. and I put them all on, a, on the same boat. They arrived at the same small town. It was like a little newbie island that I had designed and we were gonna do a little thing on that. And immediately they all went off in different directions. And it's just like, oh crap, how do I do this? Which is really sort of a, a, a strange thing. In Starfinder, it was super easy. I just said, you're all part of the same same crew. You've been working together for a while and you're on the same spaceship. And so they it was already set up. This one we're kind of, we actually did a mix of things. Uh, and so as a way to combat the problem of, of making sure that they all had a motivation for working together and that we didn't have to go through the growing pains of getting everyone to get on the same, you know, the same page, um, I had them kind of pair off. So in this case, there were two groups of two. So meaning like two, two characters built their, like two players built their characters, uh, having known each other for a short period of time having already been together and journeyed together for a little while and same with another pair. And then we had one kind of solo lone wolf guy who's going to kind of pull into it. And so we already have, so there's already a little bit of threads, a little bit of connections between those and that really helped. The other thing I had characters do is I had them fill out a character questionnaire. So it's like this multi, it's, a, it's like 15 short answer questions. I asked everybody to think about and look at an answer uh, to help like kind of flesh out their, um, their specific, you know, like how, how actually they want to play. Cause we have, like in our group, we have people that that are more like mechanics oriented. They're they're more concerned about kind of building like a really strong character. But then we have people that, that are a little bit more story focused, that are caring more about like theme and flavor. And then we have people that most, you know, like two or three of us are kind of in between, right? They're, they're kind of a little bit of both. So I, I have this like questionnaire that I, I put together. Some of these questions are my own. Some of these questions I ripped off from other people who put to do similar things. So I ask questions like, what's the, like, if you had to pick it one emotion, like, or one word to describe your character, like, what would it be? Like, are you an angry person? Are you a happy person? Are you a raging person? So my wife ended up developing 
part, part of this is she developed like an outgoing character and my wife is not particularly outgoing. She's like, we're both kind of somewhat shy, but um, she, uh, she's basically a surfer girl. Like that's what she is. She's playing essentially a surfer girl, which is great. And so she describes herself in that way. But then there's another character who might be stoic or another character who might be boisterous, et cetera. So, um, so that was really helpful. Uh, other questions that I thought were really useful uh, are things like, you know, what is like, what are, um, like what are environments or activities that put your character at ease or what are environments or, or, or activities that add stress or anxiety to your character. And so from this, like we were able to really kind of develop some interesting things. And we actually had two characters who were in great conflict at this point, because my wife's character loves being in social situations, right? She loves being around other people. She loves talking to them. She loves being sitting in a tavern and kind of communicating with her folks. But then our lone wolf character quite rightly is the complete opposite and feels very uncomfortable when there are large crowds, right? And so that's gonna create a, a like kind of some wonderful connection and friction later on, but it's also gonna help steer each of them towards specific roles within the party. So like my wife's character might talk a little bit more, might be the face of the party a little bit more and actually talk to the NPCs, whereas, uh, as the the lone wolf guy, Coder, he's he might kind of retreat back in some of those social situations, or if he's in those social situations, it might be a little bit more awkward, uh, having you know having to deal with so many people. Um, I always ha have them like give me some sort of idea of like where they're from, and so what I do is I give a couple different nations, local nations in the the continent or the land that we're going to be exploring, and I say, you know, pick a place, pick one of these that you're from. So I have. For this particular campaign, we have like one uh, one major nation that's inspired by like Germany and sort of like Germany, Austria, kind of central European Habsburg monarchy uh, type of stuff. And then we have another one that's more like kind of Soviet, uh, Russian. And then I have others that are kind of based more on kind of like Mongolian culture. Um, and so I, I, that's what I do with each of like these nations as I kind of take some kind of historical civilization and I make stuff up, you know, and sort of derive from it. And so that's part of the questionnaire. So they have to go through this thing. It's pretty short, like short answers. I only expect like a couple of questions. Some of them, and but some of the characters, like some of the players have developed like these really long, you know, short stories from them. So they're, they're, they're really getting into it. Um, the first session, one of the things like, one of my goals for the first session is I wanted to, unlike the previous two, I wanted to throw the characters into combat pretty fast. Like I wanted to put them into a situation where they, even though they were all somewhat did, you know, disconnected, I wanted them to immediately have a motivation to work together. And what better motivation than they, the, the only way they were going to survive was by working together. So they're visiting a small town called Lufentor, uh, where they're, this, the village is actually celebrating this like annual, annual kind of like two year summer, uh, summer activity. And I had all sorts of like references to Jaws and stuff in it. I was even wearing like an Amity, an Amity shirt. Uh, and eventually the, the village during the celebration are, uh, are kind of attacked by this savage group of underwater creatures called Sahuagin, which are basically fish people um, that are coming out and just brutally like attacking this town. And so as the story, as like the first session began, I was giving like these little hints, like there was a fog kind of rolling in, there were weird sounds moving around in the fog, there were some dead pigs, there was, you know, stuff like that. And then eventually like the inn in which they all kind of eventually made it to. And I, I sort of playing on the idea of like, oh, all these, you know, all of these campaigns always start in an inn. So yeah, I had them start in an inn, but I immediately tried to throw, like they got invaded by all these like fish creatures. And so they, they had to work together to try to like survive and try to save this little boy who got really hurt. Um, and so they were wandering around this foggy, this foggy village at like midnight, trying to track down this priestess 
uh, and this healer to try to come save this boy. And in the meantime, they're getting attacked at level one by all sorts of different fish creatures and very nearly like actually died right off the bat. So it's really fun. Uh, and what it did is it brought them together. So they immediately had a reason to work together. Now I ended the session uh, somewhat cliffhangery. They managed to like find the priestess, but not the healer, uh, like, the, like the village healer, the herbalist type. But they found the priestess, they brought her back to the, to the tavern in which they're sort of hunkering down in. Um, and they sp spend the night in the middle of like the town, like in the, in the cellar of the, of the tavern, like kind of barricaded everything. Now the problem is, is that they have no idea what happened because they weren't able to actually clear the village of these, these fish people, right? And so next session, we're going to start up with them cracking open the cellar door, coming up uh, in the morning to the to the remains of whatever the inn is, and looking around and seeing what actual state the village is in, who survived, if anybody. Are the fish people still there? If they're not, you know, then great. But if they are, what do you do then? And the boy is still in serious condition, and so they have to do something to kind of get him out of the town. So there's like they, they're immediately giving some reason and some motivation to work together. So it was a really fun start. Um, we started playing with some new tools. D&D Beyond was fun. I started using some Sirenscape to kind of get like a little soundboard to give like uh, like our own little soundtrack to it. Normally I just play like fantasy or sci-fi music or, or like techno music for the for Starfinder. But this one I was actually using like like tavern sounds or rain sounds or fog sounds or pig sounds. So it's kind of fun. But so new campaign, D&D 5th edition, a uh, lot of fun so far, first session. And uh, I'll talk more about what actually happens and whether they survive and get the hell out of that town. So that's a little role player for this week. And now it's time for the gentleman's challenge. All right, so the Gentleman's Challenge is our favorite segment uh, of our little podcast here, and it's where Justin and I assign the other something to do for homework over the course of the week. Uh, this something is usually like watch a TV show, watch a movie, play a game, etc., cetera, uh, and then come back the week later, and on the next podcast episode, we quiz each other about it to make sure that we were paying attention or to just sort of drive each other or embarrass them uh, on the air. Um, so sometimes we pick things that are fun, and we just want the other person to enjoy. And other times we pick things because we just want to drive them nuts. Justin tends to you know, give me like teen angsty stuff, for instance, and he knows that drives me nuts. Um, and I get to give Justin like 1980s sh uh, movies and like CBS television shows because I know that drives him nuts. Uh, so one of the warning we should probably make is that whenever we do the Gentleman's Challenge, we are going to spoil the crap of whatever it is that we're talking about because there's really no other way that we can talk about it. So Justin's going to lead us off this week. Justin, what was your homework assignment? So you assigned to me Blood Bowl 2. I did. Um, it is developed by Cyanide Games. We should say, I should, we should clarify the video, video game version. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Version. And basically the idea is it's Warhammer characters. So Warhammer was the first, like Warhammer is a tabletop game that requires units and attacking each other and stuff. And yeah, it was actually works games, workshops, or yeah. humans, dwarves, etc. And it was one of the first uh, things to ever have green orcs and then wow stole it. Uh, but uh, basically, allegedly, allegedly, I don't yeah, know allegedly. Warhammer, uh, if there was, if it was mixed with football, and so the idea is, you start off with a certain number of characters. It's based on the number of unit points that you have. We started when we played. We played first with like max units, and then we played another one with the least. Amount I think of we did like thirteen hundred and a thousand. I don't yeah. think we ever did the sixteen hundred. I think there was one higher. Yeah. So basically, that just depends on what you can pick 
to be the units in your team. And but we just did automatic pick, but you can pretty much pick your team how you want. Before the game mm. starts, you can arrange where you want them to line up. And the whole object of the game is to obtain the football and then get it into your own end zone. Um, things that could impede that is every turn, you can move your characters to different areas to impede movement or give better chances to trip them up um, as, the, as your opponent is moving around. You have certain characters like linemen and uh, running characters and throwing characters and catching characters. So they're best suited for certain jobs. And so basically the way each turn works is you can either move your character or you can attack with your character. You can only do both with one. So if you want to do both, right. it's a blitz. Right. Uh, the only time you can attack someone is if they're in the space next to you. Um, and it may not be successful. Um, if they're away There's a from lot you, of things that, that, that vary that. Like, yeah. like some things give you bonuses. Like if you're around other other allies and you're near an yeah. enemy, like sometimes you get bonuses. Or depending on the type of character it is you have, sometimes they have yeah, extra bonuses. Right, right. Um, so the idea is you roll dice, and these dice determine whether or not you actually knock them down, move them aside, or knock them down and move them aside, or if you just completely whiff. Whenever one of your characters gets knocked down, your turn is over, and you have to then turn over to the other team. So there's a lot of strategy based on what you're doing to make sure that you are ensuring to get the most movement out of your characters before you take risks. But sometimes when you take these risks, they can be beneficial. So, for example, we were playing, and I wanted to do a nice long pass, and I tried to move one of my characters before doing the pass, and he got tripped up. So it completely screwed over my entire plan because right. once he was tripped up my turn was over um so like because that's technically a turnover like turnover yeah. is yeah exactly so like there's a lot of stuff that you got to either take risk on or you can be a little bit more conservative and kind of set stuff up and look a little further down the road but it's it's an interesting game the only negatives that we found when we were playing was sometimes the rng is a little bit <laughs> meh because yeah, I, I have no problem with randomness, but my problem, because like we were we were taught when we were playing, okay, so the, the the thing I equated it to was playing XCOM. Have you played XCOM? Uh I've played a little bit, yes. Okay, so in XCOM, and a lot of people know this, in XCOM, you aim one of your dudes at uh you know at, at an alien, and it's like ninety-eight percent chance to hit, and then you miss. And then your very next person tries to fire again at the same creature, 98% chance to hit. And they miss too. And then you're like, okay, technically in the realm of all things, that could totally happen. It was 98%, it was 100%. But when that happens so frequently, it's just like, wait a second, is it really 98%? And so like, I don't mind the randomness. I really don't. I just don't like it when that randomness is presented in such a way as to suggest like, hey, this is like this is the percentage chance. Like, no, 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 no. Just, just don't, don't even tell me the percentages. Like if the worst case was, you had a pass <laughs> that had like a ninety percent chance to make it. Yeah. And I had a seventeen percent chance to intercept. Yeah. And I intercepted it. So yeah. that's yeah. a thing. And then, like the like, play before, the play before, I had two eighty-seven percent chances in a row, like on two turns in a row, to do something, and both times I failed. Yeah. So that's yeah. the only thing I would say is my only concern with this game. I think that the atmosphere is great. Uh, I knew I was losing the third game that we played. 
So I just dis- or the second game that we played. So I just decided to start killing all of his characters because I thought it was hilarious. like in the last turn, buddy. Yeah. Okay, it I was, was close until the end. Yeah, yeah. Right. To me, I was like, you know what? The writing's on the wall. Let's just take out as many as I can along the way. So I started playing dirty. I even got a foul by kicking one when he was down, uh, <laughs> essentially trying to remove him from the game. <laughs> and in order to not get fouled, I bribed the ref. So it's like yeah, stuff like great. that, which yeah. is fun. You get cards, we can get re-rolls, and other things can happen. But as a whole, the environment of the game, I think, is great. Um, I think that the characters are interesting. There's a whole bunch of different races. You can play as orcs, dwarves, humans, skaven, which are like rat creatures, uh, high elves, dark elves. I don't know what this what these are. The Bretonians? Yeah, I don't know what right. they were. They're like humans. And then chaos, which yeah. are like giant devil humans. And that's in the base game. Yeah, uh, and there's all sorts of other races that, that you can actually play as. So, like, I'm eyeing the goblin team right now. It's like five bucks. There's DLC. like a halfling oh, team too. I really want to get that five dollar. But like, so good. I thought the game was fun, and it it fits. It's like the merging of my two worlds perfectly of football and nerdiness, because like yes. there is football aspects to it. There's a lot of like setup and. You can honestly set up like actual defensive schemes and they would probably be successful or mm-hmm. offensive schemes and they'd be successful. Um, but in the end, there is little rules around it that are different from football, which diverted a little bit completely being like Madden or something. Right. But I enjoyed it and I thought it was a fun game. Um, it's probably not a game I'd play all the time because I, for me... I am always wrapped up in magic for my strategy game. Um, uh-huh. And that, that's really the only reason. Because I, okay. anytime I get on and want to play something by myself, I throw on magic because I just like playing cards. But right. it's a really fun game, and I would not mind playing it more in the future. I just Well, we both have it, so I feel yeah, like we, we, should, play each other. we should keep playing from time to time. And we know that Coder has it. We know that Gabe has it, but Gabe hates it because he hates RNG. Yeah. Uh, like, that's why he doesn't like magic a ton, too. He calls it RNGesus, and he can't take it, so... Yeah, well, it's because it's card draw. You know, yeah, card draw like that. And so it's I different. Like, I like randomness. If it's you know, I, I like randomness if there's ways to mitigate it. You know what I mean? Like yeah. as long as there's like a way to mitigate the randomness in some ways, so I have some sort of control. And, and like, there is in magic. Complete out of my control. Yeah, and there is in magic, but some people don't understand that yet. Like there's strategies of thinning your deck by putting in cards to make you search for lands. So that's mm-hmm. almost like you're playing with a instead of a sixty card deck, you're actually playing with a. 59 card deck you're kind of thinning your deck out type of stuff so it's like there's little tricks but unless people know that and know the ways to mitigate that it can get frustrating maybe there's ways we can mitigate the stuff in the game but again we were really there there totally is like i mean one of the things we really need to say is that justin and i both went into the game because 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 we i wanted to get it because it was i've been looking at it for years now and i remember playing it like the tabletop version like back in the 90s like i remember that's how long ago it was and I've seen people at my local game shop, game shop actually playing it on uh, tables at, at uh, my Imperial Outpost uh, nearby. But like, I never, I never really got it. And I've always wanted. And it's only five bucks in the summer sale right now. And so that, again, it ends on July fifth. So if you're interested, you, you should grab it. So uh, I figured, yeah, this, this is a way to do it. This is a way to get it done. But I should preface this by saying, like, just I had no idea what the hell we were doing. And so like, we started playing the game. We both went into it cold because we thought that was the only way to play it fairly. And we were just sort of learning as we go and sort of messing around. So like, there's. Like I, and I've since sort of looked at some wikis and like gone through like the basic helps. And, and so I'm like, oh, so that's why that worked. Or, oh, that's why. Because there was this one thing that Justin and I 
couldn't figure out like why is this person get two die and that person get two die why is this person get two red die like why why is the enemy get to actually roll there and so a lot of those things are explained if you actually you know learn the rules oh uh, so, yeah yeah so there's there's a lot to it but, but like, it's a lot of fun i think it's a cool game I think it's, it, cool. it's a fun game it's just um I think what hurt us a lot was we went in absolutely blind. Yeah, but still, right. even though we went in well, blind, we, had like, we, we still had a lot of fun. Yeah. And it's it's just the right amount of violence. So <laughs> it's it's good. I enjoy yeah. watching uh, orcs or giant vermin get punched in the side of the face. It's pretty funny. So so that's mine. I, I would suggest that if, if you're kind of into that type of turn strategy, one-on-one type of yeah. thing and tabletop yeah. turn-based stuff, it, it's... It, to me, it's a it's one of those must have types. And there's of games. league play. There's like we just played friendly quick matches. There's yeah. league play. There's a campaign that you can also do. To me, well it's like the easiest that. way to get involved in like a tabletop type yeah. of game like that. That's Without not, having to spend nine hundred dollars on like a figures and stuff, or yeah. having to go places and do setup and sure. or buying a four hundred dollar case to put them all in and stuff like that. Sure. So, yeah. So all I right. Enjoyed. So. Quiz time. Uh, okay. You got one question already. Uh, one of the questions was, "What are what races are available in the base game?" And you okay. listed all of them. You all right. So you got all of those. Uh, and again, those are one human, for dwarf, one. Orc, Skaven. I played dwarf and Skaven, uh, and you played. I think you played human, humans, and, and uh, greenskins. And yeah, greenskins. So it works. Okay. So, question number one: What's the name of the replay system in the game? The replay system. There's a replay system. Like where you can watch your old games, or you can watch other people's oh, games. Oh, uh, this is this is. It was on the. It was on the thing at the, at the Wikipedia end. page. So look at the Wikipedia page. No, it was on the thing at the you end. I'm not looking at Wikipedia page. The I'm not looking at Wikipedia page. Because <laughs> uh, it was on the thing at the end. If you want yes. to, I know it was on the thing at the end. That's why. Oh man, that's not that's not the correct answer. Is the that's playback? Not... No, it is called Cabal TV. Oh, is yeah, that what it was? Like oh, cable TV, man. TV. <laughs> yeah, because that was there all the time on the side. I would tell you what yeah. your move was doing. That's correct. Yeah. All right. So, uh, what was the mascot pictured on the team shield for the Grudge Bearers? For the Grudge Bearers. The Grudge Bearers. Yes. It's the, this is the, the, best, the best mascot pictured. It's um, the best. The best. Was it a dwarf? It, it was not a dwarf, but it was a dwarf team, though. So that was correct. It was a pig with a mohawk. Oh, uh, the answer is a pig with a mohawk. I should have spent more time okay. looking at all the teams. I just got really uh, immediately attracted to the team that sounded a lot like Cleveland. It was the, yeah. <laughs> it was the, yeah. uh, I forget the Cleveland. Yeah, Cleveland something. It was yeah. Clevelanders yeah. or Cleveland something. Was like, spelled differently. It was like, but it was almost exactly the Cleveland Browns. I was like, oh my god, this right. is. I gotta pick that. Yeah. yeah, so our first game was a scoreless tie. Yeah, uh, it was a barn burner. We, we didn't know what that we were doing, so we were just messing around. Yeah. Uh, what, are the, what were the names of the announcers? Oh, no. That, neither of those are correct. I have no idea. Jim and Bob. Yeah, they mentioned the beginning of every Bob. game. Yep. Uh, okay, last question. I must have been having a coma every time a game started <laughs> and stopped. <laughs> Who won the second game we played? And please explain to me how I am better than you. Uh, a professional football coach. I That's can't. It. I don't recall. So I won the I second game. Justin took the lead, one to no. nothing, first half. Uh, I came uh, roaring back on the arm. Uh, the problem is, I didn't adjust well. You adjusted Joe well. Joe Namath 
my it's, Joe name is right. It's the halftime adjustments. I thought we yeah. were doing fine. You clearly adjusted, and I didn't adjust I'm to your Bill adjustment. Belichick, man. I, I examined how the game it's, went. It's and my then fault. I just, yeah. That's like, you know, you, that you one you can't. The game was over at the first. At, at you can't put that one on the players. You know, that's got to be the coaches. I just got out coached. I'm like, look at these big, dumb, slow orcs. So, what I'm going to do, I'm going to spread them out. I'm going to spread yeah, them out. That's good. And so, I sent dudes deep. I did spread offense at four wide. Got that ball to my chucker, whatever the heck he was called, the thrower. He put that in that little arm cannon. Threw two touchdown passes. I'll be honest. I just, I out coached. You know, sometimes yep. you just got to go out there. You can't blame the players. You know, they work hard. I, I yep. you know, Hopefully I almost ran time. a score up at the end, too. I almost got a, th- a third one at the end. Hopefully, next time by a great guy, we'll be able to get out there and get a win. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Anyways, um, right, so yeah. I'm just here so I don't yeah. get fined. Right. If I were uh, if I were a coach, uh, I would always uh, talk smack uh, after I won because I'm that kind of guy. Every I like year. To, I like to beat people when they're down. So, like, I play against my brother-in-law in a football game every year. He's a crosstown rival team. Mm-hmm. And he's never beaten me in eight years. They never beat me. Uh, uh. And so every time we cross the field to shake hands, I always walk up to him, shake his hand, bring him real tight and go, I'll see you at Thanksgiving. And then just move uh. on. It's just enough of a little dagger twist. That's good every time. Uh. The closest they ever came, they were up 20 to nothing to us on halftime. And much like your Vermintide, uh, they, uh, your, your Skaven, uh, we came back with 38, un- uh, 38 unanswered points, and uh, we yeah. ended up winning the game. So, yeah, fantastic. Anyways, all right. So that is one for five. Yeah. Yep. Oh okay. well. What did so, you have? What What did I Justin, give you? Justin. Justin assigned assigned me Godzilla, Planet of the Monsters. It's a Netflix anime movie. Uh, it's yet another Godzilla iteration. This one's different. Uh, so first of all, it's animated. Uh, I think it was put, I think it was 2017. Uh, so it's animated. It's also only part one. It's up on Netflix right now. There eventually will be a part two. The first, the first one, part one ends on a major cliffhanger. Uh, So here's the basic premise. It takes the Godzilla concept and everyone sort of knows what the Godzilla is. Kaiju movie, right? And what it does is it adds kind of a fairly heavy futuristic time travel sci-fi space exploration thing to it. Also aliens. It's weird. So Godzilla shows up as, as he always does. Uh, he starts wrecking face. And rather than, you know, create some sort of early warning system and know that the planet is gigantic and Godzilla by you know comparison is not, and you can kind of see him coming from a mile away, uh, or maybe just move inland, I don't know, like away from the coast. Uh, they decide to, you know, fight him and he just used like this atomic breath to just totally like just destroy things. And he also has like this dorsal fin electro charging shield thingy where he fires lasers and, and kills people. Uh, so he's destroying human humanity, like the human race is getting wrecked. Now, at some point, the, uh, the earth is visited by not one, but two species of aliens, both of whom basically look like humans. One is called the Exif and one is called the Bilu Saludo. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that correctly. Uh, it was a it was subtitled. Uh, so, the first one of those, the EXIF, they are like this religio group that is doing. They talk about fate a lot, and so they try to convert humanity to their religion. And the latter are like engineering types, and so they're trying to create Mecha Godzilla, right? And so, uh, unfortunately, they weren't able to actually get uh, Mecha Godzilla up and ready and going. And everyone just sort of hops on a hops on a spaceship and they leave. And there's only like four or six thousand people or something like that uh, humans that are left. And they start traveling space, uh, looking for another planet f- 
that they can inhabit. And apparently this is something, according to the EXIF, who have been traveling the cosmos for a very long time, this is something that they have seen happen before and that Godzilla is kind of like uh, a divine uh, kind of divine penalty for, for species that get too big for their britches. Uh, and they come there and they wreck their, their, you know, they wreck their planet. And so the EXIF, the Bilusolado, and just basic Earth humans, uh, they start traveling around and they can't find squat. Um, for them, it's 20 years of travel. So light year, faster than light travel, all sorts of weird stuff with time happens. For them, it's been 20 years. Uh, and the, the beginning of the actual show is when the main character, who is Haruo, um, I believe, Haruo Sakaki, uh, who is a captain uh, within whatever kind of military organization that this is, he is threatening to kind of blow up a shuttle uh, or bomb this area because the there's a, a, another shuttle that's going into an atmosphere of a different planet that they found. They thought, hey, maybe this is going to work, but everyone knows it's not going to work. And then that, you know, it's a bunch of old people because they're running out of food, they're running out of time. And so they need, you know, to clear some space. And so there's this sort of theory that maybe some of the controlling, uh, the controlling folks of the committee are like sending all these old people to die so they can clean up some space and that they can get some extra food, whatever. Uh, so he's kind of persona non grata. But one of the exifs uh, named Metfis is a priest and for some reasons sees like Haru as this kind of uh, destined figure to, to, to combat Godzilla. And so the plan gets in place that they want to go back to Earth to see if Godzilla's still there. Maybe he left, maybe he died off. And uh, Hakuo, uh, or Huro, excuse me, puts like this thesis, this little essay together, along with like with the help of that exif priest that says, hey, this is how we can beat him. This is how we can bypass the the shield that Godzilla has, right? And so they go back to Earth, and it's been 20,000 years uh, for Earth. So 20,000 years have passed on Earth, even though it's only been 20 years for the people that have been traveling around. And it's weird because they, they keep changing that number. Because at one time it's like, oh, maybe it's 20 years. And then they go, oh, maybe it's 10,000. Oh, maybe it's 20,000. It's like just short of 20,000, like 19,400 or something like that. So it's kind of funny. But anyway, they, they develop this plan. They go down uh, to the Earth and it, the Earth has changed. Like there is, the atmosphere is different. It's foggy and weird. The, the plant life is rigid, um, stronger. There's all sorts of these creatures that are flying around um, that are kind of dinosaur-like. Um, and then eventually they run into Godzilla and they enact their plan. Uh, plan doesn't really go quite right. There's actually some reticence about actually enacting that plan. Uh, they kill Godzilla, but lo and behold, it's not really Godzilla because then real Godzilla hops up out of a freaking mountain because they were hanging out on the mountain and real Godzilla's there. It's like, hey, you killed my kid and then starts wrecking faced and then we... Uh, we we cut the scene and uh, we're waiting for for number two, the number two. So that's a uh, that's Godzilla, uh, Planet of the Monsters. What did I think of it? It's fine. It's, it's it was entertaining. It was good. Solid. Uh, stupid. Also very very stupid. Uh, makes no sense. Uh, Godzilla, I think in general, uh, is a, is a is is one of those types of. I love Godzilla movies. I remember watching like old Godzilla Mothra type movies on that small eight inch uh, TV screen that I talked about with ice pirates in my neighbor's house. We used to watch Godzilla movies on that too. Uh, so I'm a huge fan of Godzilla's now. At the same time, like this movie is kind of dumb uh, in many respects. I, I feel like the whole, why are there aliens? Like, I just don't understand. Like, it just feels like an unnecessarily compli unnecessary complication. Uh, no one's particularly likable. All the characters suck. Um, they're all very unlikable people. There's far too much focus in the conversations in this movie between characters on like tactics and like science. And it's like not even real science, right? And like, 
and there's like no real character development for anybody. Um, so a lot of it's kind of weird. But overall, like, I, it's 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 pretty entertaining. Um, I didn't think Godzilla looked particularly good. I feel like they did a different style of animation for Godzilla than they did for the rest of the stuff, and so it kind of looked weird. He just he just sort of looked like a little too blocky at times, and every, but all the other animation was really good. Um, so I'm gonna watch the second one. I'm kind of curious how it ends. Uh, I hope all of humanity uh, gets uh, gets crushed by Godzilla. Um, but there were just it, it just felt like a lot of wasted wasted time in the movie where like people were fighting for no particular reason or like a plan that they put in place just didn't really come out or like they decide to like let's do this no let's not okay never mind let's do it anyway I'm like okay let's do it so it felt like they were just sort of spinning their wheels over and over but overall i would say a positive reaction uh but at the same time holes certainly some holes yeah i mean <sighs> It's tough to come up with a action-packed kaiju movie that isn't the same rehashed garbage over and over. You know what I mean? Right. Um, so, my personal opinion of this movie, I thought it was terribly boring. But like, it's just I don't think it was terrible. Um, I felt like it 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 was longer than it needed to be, and it was an hour and a half, and it was part one. Uh, and so there's gonna be a part two. I felt like I felt like, like when you when you start off with a montage right i always i'm always skeptical like don't start off your movie with a montage that's like giving us eight you know all sorts of pages worth of you know backstory it's just like just just can you just start somewhere else um i like i teach writing and like one of the things we talk about like one of the rules we talk about is like start as close to the end as you can like get to the as close to the end of the story as you possibly can that's where you should start right you can't start at the very end but you gotta start as close to the end as possible and try not to like give us this mountain of exposition at the beginning of a story that we have to climb over just to get to the real story. And that's kind of what it felt like in the very beginning. And I also hated the main character. He was terrible. He was awful. And I didn't really care for anybody else, but no one else was really developed. So, and like all the conversations were dumb. Like, I don't know. So, but it was, it was fine. Like it was fine. Like I'll watch the second one again. Cause I'm just curious how it ends, but like, it was fine. Like it wasn't, I don't think it was great at all but all right. it's on netflix it's free it's free it's a cartoon it's godzilla i like godzilla so it's cool it's all, right, all right so you ready for your quiz questions then yeah yeah yeah, yeah. go ahead our right, first question you actually answered okay nice. sweet I like it that. was uh they traveled through space and their the time that it took them to get back uh was nineteen thousand one hundred eighty something like that yeah. so that was the question how how long has it been since they've been on earth and it was about twenty thousand years so yeah that was the first question. So you got one right. Okay. Cool. Next question. What is different about this Godzilla than the Godzilla that they left earlier in the movie? Why is he so different that he's such a problem? Do you remember? What do you mean? The, uh, like the big one at the end? Yeah. Or? So like when they finally encounter him and things occur why is he so much more difficult to deal with than the previous iteration of him okay so i remember that the plan had to do with shutting down the shield by shoving an emp into him um was it his regeneration like his regeneration was just superior or it was regenerating faster than they thought maybe i'm not specifically sure i it's, remember it's close it's just that he almost seems like made of a different material and like okay because the the other monsters were like indestructible the plants yeah yeah yeah, yeah. it's like he, he turned in like a carbon-based or like more of a like carbon fiber based organism 
I'll, 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 I'll give it to you. It's close, it's close okay. enough. Just seems just more difficult to deal with. Uh, okay. Question three. Other than that opening montage, at what minute do you finally see Godzilla? Oh, man. I don't remember what minute. It took a while, though. Like, it sure did. It took a really long time. I don't remember. I, I wasn't looking at the clock when it happened. Um, but, yeah, it was definitely it a long ballpark time. it. Ballpark how long it took in an hour and a half movie, how long it took for you to see. I'm going to say maybe 15 minutes in. 15? That's what I'm going to say. 15? Because there was, like, we saw him in the – because he was – he was sort of part of the montage towards the end. Like, okay, so like, okay, let me think about this because what first happens actually before there, there's the montage and like there's the one part of the montage when they, they actually show bits of Godzilla like between smoke. So like we actually saw him, but like actually like saw him for an extended scene had to be much further in. But I think you see him very briefly within the first 15 minutes. I mean, like, saw him. him in his full character and, like, you have him fully revealed. How long did it take for you to finally see the character that the movie is named after? Well, I mean, like, the actual Godzilla that they fight at the end is at least 45 minutes in. Like, the when they actually get back to the planet. Like, when they get back it to the planet. Close. Down, yeah. It is close. But we do but, briefly see him earlier when they're going to I don't the count that, and... though, because it's just okay. like it was like a montage sequence and it was also like little bits and pieces. We're going to okay. finally see what this the movie named about this character. It took 60 minutes. Ooh, that's a, that's a long It was time. 59 okay. minutes until you finally saw the character of the film. Right. Talk and I'm about actually rooting for Godzilla. Burying I, I the lead. That's right. ridiculous. Yeah. So, because uh, they, they buried him under some rocks, <laughs> close, but no cigar, my friend. Uh, no, that's fine. That's fine. I think I'm still right because the question was, when did you first see him? And I got it right, and you had it wrong. But that's fine. That's fine. Uh, last question: boring film or more or most boring film? Uh, go ahead. Um, boring, not most boring. I've most of the movies just them debating. It's just yeah. like. I know that's what I mean. Like the it's just them talking in front constant... of like brightly colored monitors, yeah. and that's it. Yeah. That's the whole. And it was movie. like constant conversations about like technical schematic stuff, and I'm just like, this is so boring. Like it's no, I totally agree with that part. Like that is just like yeah. you don't see the kaiju in the kaiju movie for 60 minutes, up yeah. until those 60 minutes, right? And then the last 60 minutes is like a 20 minute scene where they're fighting him, right, or they're de- trying to deal with them or escaping or whatever right for the entirety of the whole movie up until that point it's just them talking in front of colored monitors that's all it is. i just like to point out that you're even more angry than i am about it. i actually wasn't really angry about it. i thought it was fine uh not great not bad but fine like some very I just want more action in my anime you're movies. the one who picked it so reading's hard there's a lot of reading in this one it's your fault uh so was i was i like was i was i two and a half two and a half two and a half two and a half four yeah. okay you're still, right. still be winning me. streak continues. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think it's every man. So, all right, Justin, Anyways, new challenge. Um, I already, I already mentioned my new challenge earlier. You gave me the idea. I scrapped my other plan. I would like you to finish playing Bastion, please. Ooh, that's your challenge. Yeah, I'll, I'll challenge. take that. I, I've gotten pretty far in it, but I don't remember where I'm at though. So. You can always start again. Okay, sounds good. Wonderful game. Wonderful game. I have a game for you, which okay. I saw someone playing it, and I saw it. And I'm like, I want to play this with Jeff right now, and okay. um. It's called Blood Party. Have you seen this on? Yes, I have. It's on. It's on my. It's on my wish list. It's got competition-based like stuff on racing, yeah. and it also yeah. has 
almost like Portal 2-esque features to it where you gotta work together to get through the, the obstacle yep. course. And when I saw that, I was like, oh my god, I just remember the fun we had with Portal 2. I just want to re- recreate <laughs> Portal that. Two, Portal 2 took us probably 10 times as long to finish as it should have because we had too much fun killing each other. Uh, so we've got Blood Party for me and Bastion for you. Is that right? Sounds right. good. To me, right. I like, I like, I, I want to play this with you. First okay. of all, so I want to race you, and then I also okay. want to, I want to do these because you can kill each other in awful ways, and I can't sure. wait to do that. So. It's called Blood Party. I would hope so. Yeah. yeah. So that's my challenge. All right, Justin. I think we need to get the heck out of here. We've been talking way too long. Absolutely. And I, yeah. I mean that literally this time. I'm looking at the clock, and I think my clock's broken. Uh, so let's close this sucker down. Uh, everybody, you can find us up on the old interwebs at uh, lollygaggerco.com, uh, but you can also find us on the Twitters at lollygaggerco. Uh, Justin's also up on Twitch. Justin, where's uh, what's your Twitch uh, Twitch uh, link again? Uh, Twitch.tv slash Jehufa. Um, I gotta get back into it. I've been being a little bit lazy about it lately. Gabe keeps giving me garbage about it. You're so always I'm lazy. Good. I feel like if we go back to all of our episodes and we go to this part where I'm constantly giving you an opportunity, I to gotta play get into it. I it's you just, are constantly saying. I think only two times. There's so many said. things that are going on this summer that I didn't expect to happen. Your life is just so amazing. I just the you know if it's I the summer of George slash Justin. yeah. If I wasn't so cool, right. this wouldn't be a problem. Anyways, so anyway. Okay. Uh, the other thing is, if you could, if you don't mind, you listeners out there, uh, hop over to iTunes and drop us a little review, rated review, some stars, some some words, uh, preferably ones that criticize Justin's ability to do anything. Uh, those are also fun. Uh, if you have some ideas, perhaps for challenges, uh, you can contact us via our website. Uh, we have plenty of ways you can contact us. Give us some ideas. How might we terrorize one another? Uh, but if you don't want to get on the old iTunes, just whatever whatever podcast. Uh, podcast system podcast app you use uh, feel free to give us a like give us a subscription give us a down whatever it is that your particular podcast app does uh, and on that note justin uh we gotta say some thank you some quick thank yous to people who made this happen are you ready sir oh yeah all right this first one this first one goes out to my wife and it's not gonna be very good so to my wife who a little over a year ago talked me out of backing the Dungeons of Doom Dwarven Forge Kickstarter. This is an amazing set of terrain for tabletop RPGs. Dwarven Forge is, is fantastic at this. Now the Kickstarter is delivering and I keep seeing people post all their, their their sets up on the old Twitters and the Instagrams and I'm feeling very sad and uh, my marriage is suffering, suffering some friction right now. So anyway, uh, to my wife. Thanks a lot. Thanks. Uh, I'd like to thank Overwatch. Uh, they just created probably one of the greatest looking characters in a shooter of all time. His name is Hammond the Wrecking Ball, and it is a hamster inside of a tank. So, thank you so much. It's a shit that keeps boring. Uh, to the city planners in my neighborhood who decided to start a road repaving process in my neighborhood in June in Arizona and then suddenly had to stop because it's, quote, too hot. Who would have thought it would have been too hot in June in Arizona? So, thanks. My last thank you actually goes out to Jeffrey because you suggested the name Tresemme for my (laughs) moose character, and I used it, and I've already gotten multiple compliments on it. So thank you so much. (laughs) You're welcome. For one of the best WoW names I've had in a while. Thank you. (laughs) 